And I'll invite the rest of you to find Mark chapter 4 in your Bibles. As you're finding Mark chapter 4, we'll be looking at verses 30 through 34. I'm actually going to read to you a different passage to prepare you for this one. Um, So do find Mark chapter 4, and you can just listen to the other passage I'm going to read to you. The other passage I'm going to read to you is Isaiah chapter 9. And this is a very familiar passage, especially this time of year. It's very commonly brought out during Advent services. Uh, Many of the verses that I'll read, you probably have seen in Christmas cards and on Christmas mugs and decorations and ornaments. But I, I want you to really try to listen to it as though Christmas doesn't exist yet. As though you are a Jewish person before Jesus' birth. Okay? So I know that takes some imagination. But try to listen to it without sentiment. Just listen to it as prophecy. This is Isaiah chapter 9, starting at verse 2. By the way, Isaiah was a prophet that lived some 700 years before Jesus' birth. Okay. So he is prophesying, relaying on to God's people, the Jews, something that God had told him to tell them. That's what this is. He writes, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. Every boot of the trampling warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness, from this time forth And forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Now, this was a prophecy that the Jewish people clung to. They held it close as they waited for their Savior, their Messiah, to come. All through the Old Testament, there are hints and prophecies pointing ahead that there would be a Messiah to come. So they were waiting and waiting and waiting. And just based on what I just read to you here, if you knew nothing of Jesus yet... And if you'd never heard of Christmas, if that didn't exist, what sort of Messiah would you be expecting? With prophecies about uh, breaking the yoke of oppressors, of establishing a government which would be prosperous and peaceful and see no end of a king on the throne of David, you would probably, just like the Jews did, be expecting a political, military overthrow type of Messiah to come. So with that lens, we're going to approach Mark chapter 4, verses 30 through 34. Because Jesus came on the scene, 
We saw earlier in Mark in chapter 1, his very first public sermons were basically, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. When he said the kingdom of God, that's what they were thinking. They were thinking of Isaiah 9, all of our oppressors are going to be crushed. All the warriors are going to be done away with. We're going to have a new king on the throne that is going to establish a governmental political peace. That's what they had in mind. But what Jesus brought was something totally different than that. And it was very confusing for the Jewish people. Now let's read Mark chapter 4, verses 30 through 34. Jesus is talking to a group of Jewish people who knew these prophecies. All these people were very excited about Jesus because he came proclaiming the kingdom and he came doing miraculous things that seemed to indicate that maybe he was the Messiah. He was healing people and casting out demons and speaking with authority. So here's what he says in verse 30. And he, Jesus said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God? Or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. And he did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. This is the passage we'll examine this morning. But before we do, let's pray together and ask God to speak to us. Would you bow with me? Father, we we can have trouble connecting with your Bible as it talks about the kingdom. We don't come from a Jewish background. We weren't born hearing prophecies and looking forward to a new kingdom. We are American Christians. We are gratefully so, and we're patriotic, and it can be confusing for us to think about the kingdom of God. I thank you that Jesus patiently explained what the kingdom is like so that we could hear it and understand it better. Understand what it means to be a citizen of your kingdom above all other earthly kingdoms. So please help us now. Give us ears that hear. Let us be those who really hear. May we not just hear, but hear your word. Or let these few moments together as we sit at Jesus' feet and listen to his voice be transformative for us. Please cast out all distractions and all other concerns that would hinder us from focusing on your word now. Help me to serve your people well, to bring clarity and not confusion. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus teaches about the kingdom. He taught about the kingdom last week with the passage that Ron preached to you. And here he brings another facet of the kingdom that he's trying to help his followers understand. The big idea is the contrast between how the kingdom starts and how the kingdom grows. The main point of it is that the kingdom of God starts small but grows great. It starts small but it grows great. That's, that's the big idea if you, if you need to just go ahead and pack it in your mind. 
Now, I want you to think about how small the kingdom of God started, how small the Messiah was when he came. Jesus says, what can we compare the kingdom of God to, or what parable shall we use for it? It's like a grain of mustard seed. Ron Thomas has posted on Facebook before an actual picture of a grain of mustard seed. And if it were sitting on your finger, it would look about the same size as if you had taken an ink pen and just put a dot on your finger. And that's about what it would look like. It's tiny, tiny, tiny. That's when you think about the kingdom of God, picture that tiny seed. That's the way God initiated it. That's the way God still initiates it with tiny seeds. And think about how Jesus came. He came as a baby. Could he have come as a grown man? Men's fitness magazine cover model, strong, grown man. Sure he could have. I mean, he's God. He could do anything he wants. He could have beamed into Jerusalem the same way if you've seen the Terminator movies, which I don't recommend, but I'm sure some of you have. Arnold Schwarzenegger, the Terminator, he beams to whatever time zone he's going to as Arnold Schwarzenegger. He didn't go and be born as a little baby and then grow up into Arnold Schwarzenegger. He beamed there as a grown, strong man. But that's not how God initiated his kingdom. God initiated it with a baby. It didn't start with a bang. It started with a baby. How much smaller can you get in terms of Savior and Lord Wonderful counselor, prince of peace, mighty God, government resting on his shoulders, a baby. He first laid in a manger. He didn't sit on a throne. He was born in a small town, not the center of Rome. He, he was born in a town like Frog Pond. If you ever drive out that way on Albemarle Road and you pass a sign that says something about Frog Pond, and before you've had time to think, is that a town or something, then you're already gone past it anyway he wasn't born in new york city born out kind of in the middle of nowhere he grew up and he became a carpenter not a king the jewish people probably couldn't have imagined a, a just a tradesman a carpenter a regular guy he had a hammer in his hand not a big sword a hammer or whatever sort of tool they use, I probably should have researched that. I assume they still had hammers back then. When he started to assemble his followers, he gathered 12 men. He didn't gather the great crowds. The great crowds did gather because he was God with us, Emmanuel, and it was awesome. And he was performing miracles and casting out demons and speaking with authority. But he wasn't concerned with the crowds in the sense of trying to gain a giant following. He just wanted his 12 his little group of 12 guys. That, for some of you men who were at the men's breakfast yesterday morning, that's about the size of the initial mustard seed of Jesus' followership. Just 12 ordinary blue-collar guys. They weren't extraordinary. They weren't elite. And he discarded the crowds. When he rode in, they call it the triumphal entry when he rode in to be crucified. He sat on the back of a donkey. Really, really humble entry into the city. He wasn't on a, a mighty stallion. He was on a humble donkey. They pressed a crown of thorns on his head, not a crown of gold and jewels. And then his key act 
to establish his kingdom was his death. Not the slaughter of all of his enemies, not a giant military campaign, not even a grassroots political movement, just his solitary on the cross all by himself, naked, spat upon, tortured, death. That's, these are mustard seed beginnings of the kingdom. So the kingdom, this is just how it works. We're citizens, if we're Christians, of the kingdom of God. This is how this kingdom operates. Things start small. Tiny seeds. But they grow great. They grow huge. The parable says, it's like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. Now that, that phrase about the birds of the air making nests in its shade, that kind of harkens back to other Jewish prophecies that they would have been familiar with. And in their minds, it would have brought the image of a great nation that's so great that other nations depend upon it. The mustard plant would grow from that tiny seed to about 10 to 12 feet tall, which is pretty amazing considering how tiny the seed is. So Jesus came small, okay, but the kingdom is growing. We're right now in the time period of kingdom growth and expansion. And eventually he'll return when the completion of establishing his kingdom is happening. And at that point, it's going to be great. At that point in Revelation and other prophecies, we learn that he's going to come. He won't be a baby this time. He'll be a man. He won't be on a donkey this time. He'll be on a white war horse. He won't be holding a carpenter's hammer this time. He'll be holding the sword of justice. It won't just be 12 followers this time. It will be people from every tribe, every tongue, and every nation. Billions upon billions of people. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord when he returns. He will come in victory when he returns. We are standing in between these two. We're Advent Christians. This is our Advent service today. We celebrate his first Advent and we look ahead to a second Advent. We're right now the mustard plant growing toward that second Advent. Now, just as a rule of thumb, this is how the kingdom of God works. Your truest citizenship is not America. It is the kingdom of God. Now, like I said in my prayer, we are Americans and thankfully so. But our truest citizenship is the kingdom of God. And this is how our kingdom works. Small seeds, great growth. So based on this parable where Jesus explains the kingdom, I just have three encouragements I want to give to you. Very simple things that I hope that we can all take and sort of put in our pocket and, and have with us as we proceed through the Christmas season to help us live as citizens of this kind of a kingdom, of the kingdom of God. So the first one, I want to encourage you to be satisfied with small seeds. Be satisfied with small seeds. I was talking to a pastor friend of mine this week. And um, pastors are all, some of you guys who have been pastors or are pastoring in different ways now know, pastors are always thinking about their churches, 
always, all the time, thinking about our people, thinking about what's coming up, thinking about what's going wrong, thinking about what's going right. Um, we're always insecure about our leadership and we're always reading books and listening to podcasts and talking to other pastors and trying to figure out how to do this. And none of us knows what we're doing. I have learned that from talking to other pastors. We're all just doing our very best. And as you read the books, the pastoral books and hear the advice, um, a lot of modern day marketing lingo has infiltrated pastoral ministry and pastoral leadership. And it programs us to think in, in those terms, in marketing terms and in corporate terms and organizational leadership terms. And it gets us to where we think in terms of launches, the next launch of the next program or the next launch of the new initiative to where we, we scheme and plan and plot and we, we get our marketing campaign together for whatever it might be. Um, the biggest one I've ever launched at Doolin's Grove would probably be house to house. Uh, it's still going on. It's still one of the things I really believe in for our church. Um, I think it's, I really think we all need to be a part of something like this. Um, I'll save the guilt trip for another time. But I get to thinking about where does this terminology come from? When I think of the word launch, like launching a new sermon series or launching a new Sunday school format, I know you can launch a, a ship out into sea, but I'm thinking in NASA terms. I'm thinking I have built a space shuttle of a plan and I'm going to launch it into the stratosphere of success and it's going to be amazing and hundreds upon hundreds of people are going to come and it's going to be the best thing in the world and everybody's going to become a Christian and everybody's going to reconcile with their strange spouses and everybody, people are going to stop mistreating their children and they're going to work harder. It's just going to be awesome because I launched this thing. Now, of course, NASA didn't exist in biblical times. So maybe Jesus would have used NASA terminology when explaining what the kingdom is like. But I don't think he would have. I think he would have stuck with agricultural references. I think it's important that the kingdom works like a seed works. And like Ron shared last week, that it grows in a way that, you know, we go to sleep and we wake up and the kingdom has been growing all the while and we don't really even know how. The kingdom of God is not rocket science, it's agriculture. The language of the kingdom is not launches, but seeds. Small seeds scattered out, nurtured, watered, cultivated, growing over time. Not big bang explosions of awesomeness. Now, sometimes there are, you know, Pentecost happened. Some of you may not be familiar with that, but a little bit later on, there is an explosion. The Holy Spirit comes in and several thousand are saved in, in one moment and it's amazing. I don't think that's normative. Uh, for one reason, right after that, all those new Christians didn't go off and then trigger other explosions of thousands upon thousands. They went off and devoted themselves to the everyday kingdom seed scattering work of fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers and devoting themselves to the teaching. I, we, American Christians especially, are always on the lookout for the next big thing. The next big book. The pastors, again, I'm letting you in on our culture a little bit. We're always looking for the next big conference. 
But I think the kingdom is about the next small thing, not the next big thing. The next ordinary step of faithfulness that we can take. The next kingdom seed we can embrace and accept and nurture within ourselves. The next seed we can scatter out among those that we are called to love and serve. Over in Luke 17, these Jews could not understand the kingdom. They couldn't understand it. And I still have a hard time wrapping my mind around it, honestly. And Jesus is so patient and he's always teaching about it. And in Luke 17, verse 20, the Pharisees come to him and they're asking him about the kingdom. It says, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come. Jesus began his ministry saying, repent, the kingdom is here. And so all the Jews are like, yes. And they're looking for political revolution and it's not happening. Nothing big seems to really be happening. So they go to Jesus and they say, when is this thing going to happen? And Jesus says, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed. Nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. It's, it's here now. The kingdom is here now. It's spreading now. It's growing now. Like leaven spreads through bread and it rises. The kingdom of God is rising now in you among the Christians in your workplace in the homes the Christian homes in your neighborhood is spreading from home to home and through relationships through every nation every tribe and tongue it is spreading it's happening it's in your midst you're not going to see anything that you can point to and say there it is there's the kingdom it's not like that it's like a seed growing you know The programs we do have as a church are only meant to facilitate this kingdom seed planting, nurturing, and growth. Programs don't plant seeds and programs don't receive seeds. They just facilitate the people to plant seeds and receive seeds. So we we have a lot that goes on as a church and it's all optional. You know, we we do what we can and, and what we feel called to participate in. But the hope is that these things facilitate our growth as citizens of the kingdom of God. Because ultimately it comes down to the the small, tiny things. It comes down to me. It comes down to you. It comes down to that moment in the word. It comes down to that prayer for someone. It comes down to that decision to obey or ignore. It comes down to that decision to say the difficult truth Or to not. It comes down to the the moment of enduring and waiting patiently or giving up. This is the kingdom. It's in your midst. Take heart in your smallness. Yeah, I've never been accused of being a dreamer. I married a dreamer. She gets big ideas. I get small ideas, if any. You know, I'm, I'm small in that sense. And many of you are small in different senses. Some of you may feel small because you don't have a lot of, you know, you're not life of the party. You don't have a ton of relationships. You're not always, people aren't swarming around you a lot. You're alone a lot of the time. Take heart in that smallness. Small kingdom seeds grow into kingdom greatness. Your faithfulness in that smallness is vital. 
Some of you may feel small because you are strapped down into just one issue that you can focus on in your life right now. It's aging parents or it's uh, marital conflict or it's physical health issues or uh, factors of aging. Your physical mobility has shrunk. Your world has shrunk because of these different pressures. Work is tough. Finances are tough and you just, you're just, you're not able to go to Africa and lead a crusade for Christ, but you can be faithful in your smallness. And that's better than okay. That's the kingdom. Be satisfied with those small seeds, those moments of patience with the difficult person. All those little moments, all those little decisions. And sometimes it can feel like our relationship with Christ is just so small and frail and weak. It all hinges on Every day that we can make ourselves do it, having a quiet time, sitting there and just reading a few verses and trying to pray that into reality. Is that all? That smallness is huge in the kingdom. Those seeds will grow huge in your life. So be satisfied with the small seeds. Rejoice in the small seeds. Give those small seeds all your attention because that's the kingdom of God. My second encouragement Be patient with growth. Be patient with growth. We live in an age of touchscreen tablets. My children intuitively know how to use touchscreen, iPhone, Kindle. It's just because swipe of your finger and your wishes come true. Just done. If If you swipe and it lags for one half of a second... Do you not get a little frustrated? Because they work so well. They're so immediate. My iPhone, I do have a smartphone now and it's been great. It's a great tool. It's gotten a little glitchy lately. And when I try to pull up Facebook, it takes a couple of seconds to come up. And I'm like, come on. What is the holdup? I'm a very important man. I don't have a couple of seconds. I need to look at this mindless stupidity posted on Facebook. My children are used to that and it's done. But we are not, we are not tablets. Nothing happens instantly with us. We are a field. God deals with us in agricultural terms, not tablet terms. We, we pray, Lord, I'm in agony, give me peace. And he does not swipe over. He does not click the peace app and it comes up and all of a sudden life is beautiful. He stoops down and he prepares the soil and he plants the mustard seed and he covers it up and he brings people to nurture it and take care of it. And over time you start to see a green sprout come up and you, there's, there's new life and peace there that you didn't have before. And it grows and it's over the months and years and decades that the kingdom comes about. It does not come about instantly. It's not a microwave. It's a slow cooker. So be patient with growth. The kingdom of God takes time. Some of us are dealing with sin in our lives that we've been dealing with for years. And I, you know, I talk, I'm getting to know you guys better and better and better and better and better. And I, I feel for you in it. And I have been there and am there. And it can just get so frustrating. We feel like 
I believe in Jesus. I love him. He's saved me from my sins. He's freed me from them. I don't have to sin like this. Why is my old self still so strong? Why is it still such a battle? Why is it two steps forward, one step back? Take heart. Be patient. God is working this out in you. He is working it out. It just takes time. Some of us, we're in difficult, difficult, difficult situations in our lives. And we cry out to God for help and we want it to be immediate. And it's not. Rarely is it immediate. Usually it's lengthy. We've got to be okay with that. We've got to settle into this. We're, we're in this for the long haul. The kingdom takes time. It grows like a plant grows. So be patient. It's okay. You know, with our church, I want our church to be, I want the Lord to add to our number those who are being saved to the point, not where we have to build a big mega crystal cathedral, but where maybe we can birth other churches. That's a whole other topic for another day. I don't even know why I said that out loud because then you guys are going to be wondering about my strategies and all that. I don't really have one if that helps you any. I want the Lord to add to our number of those who are being saved. But I'm comfortable with the fact that it will take time. And Lord willing, he'll do it in a way that is healthy and sustainable. And they're added as an individual that we can love and absorb into our fellowship and really embrace and get to know and that they... They grow over time and, and that it will, will grow like a mustard seed into a giant mustard plant. That's really what I want to see. And I see the Lord at work in us. I see the, the kingdom growing among us. And I'm encouraged by it. Just keep cultivating. Just keep cultivating. Stay faithful. Be satisfied with small seeds. Be patient with the growth. And then the last one is very brief, but be hopeful for the future. The kingdom of God is growing. No matter what persecution we may see on the news, no matter how our nation seems to be turning its back on any kingdom principles that might have once guided it, the kingdom of God will not be stopped. And it is growing. Jesus will return the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. We know how it's all going to end up. So be hopeful for the future. Don't despair in, in whatever situations you may find yourselves and don't ever give up. We know where things are headed. Things are headed to the righteous reign and rule of Jesus Christ over everything. We're just in the in-between time right now. So I want to close with verses 33 and 34. After he told them the parable of the mustard seed, uh, uh, Mark records, With many such parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without a parable, but privately to his own disciples he explained everything. I want to close with a prayer that the Lord would make us those who are able to hear this. And that he would make us like his disciples and that he with the... The Holy Spirit would explain these things to us, that we would see clearly where we fit into the kingdom of God, that we would embrace our role, that we would rejoice in the small seeds that we get to receive and we get to scatter, that we would be patient with the process of kingdom growth, and that we would always abound in hope. 
Would you bow with me? Father, thank you so much for Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. This Christmas, may we live boldly and valiantly as citizens of his kingdom. Lord, please explain to us each as we counsel with you in prayer and in our meditation, as we drive and as we go to sleep at night and as we open your word up every day. Please help us to hear and understand our part in your kingdom. Help us not to get distracted by the next big thing so that we miss the next small thing. Let us be faithful in the small acts of the kingdom. Strengthen us. Strengthen those among us who are weary and weak to be patient as the kingdom grows, as your rule is established more and more and more in our hearts and in our families and in our church and in our around the world. Lord, let our hope that is founded in Jesus Christ and his kingdom be our backbone. May we be a strong, joyful, faithful people. In Jesus' name, amen.